Welcome to the Keep Growing at UF podcast. I'm Kara. And I'm Brandon. We are trainers on the UF HR training and organizational development team. Training and organizational development has identified key skills that faculty and staff can develop as individuals and as leaders. The Keep Growing podcast will present some of our team's trainings in an audio format so that you can listen and learn at your convenience. As we prepare to return to campus, we may be feeling anxious or nervous and may find that we need to draw some new boundaries to feel comfortable in our new environment. On this episode, we'll present some tools to help you identify, communicate, and then enforce those boundaries in a professional setting. This webinar was originally presented by me, Kara White, on July 15, 2020, and I hope you enjoy it. So welcome to Setting Boundaries for Returning to Work. I, again, am so glad that you could join us today. I really created this webinar um, for myself. Uh, I was starting to feel a little anxious about returning to work. Um, given our current situation, and I, I, was, I was feeling anxious that a lot of things felt like they were outside of my control. A lot of decisions were being made for me, and I didn't, I just, I didn't feel like I had a lot of say over what was happening. So I started doing some research on uh, boundaries and how I could set firm boundaries, and I found that as I started going through these exercises, that more started to feel like it was in my control. That even though they, there were all these decisions being made outside of my control, there was a lot still within my control that I could um, establish and, and assert myself in to make sure that I felt comfortable in our return to work plan. So I wanted to share that with you and hopefully if you guys are feeling any of that anxiety or um, just discomfort at the thought of coming back to work, I hope that this content really helps you feel comfortable and empowered as we come back to campus or your offices, wherever they may be. But even if you're not coming back to work for, you know, some time, or if you guys have decided to just work remotely forever, I really think this content is gonna be so powerful and so helpful in a lot of aspects of your life. It doesn't even have to just be professional, but I think you'll find that there's, there's a lot here that can, can help you as you, as you navigate this, this new normal, of post-COVID or, well, it's current COVID, but post-pandemic living and, and honestly, just in a lot of aspects of your life, not even just in regards to, to COVID. So, so welcome. I hope you find it useful. I hope you find it empowering and let's jump into it. So first, let's start by uh, defining a boundary. Now, a boundary, let's, let's talk about physical boundaries before we get into the more metaphorical personal boundaries. Let's talk about boundaries that we are familiar with and physical boundaries. A boundary is simply something that indicates or fixes a limit or the extent of something. It marks the end of something and the beginning of a new thing, um, a, a property line, right? We put a fence on the property line, that's a boundary. We know on this side of the property line is my property and on this side of the property line is my next door neighbors. There's, there's that boundary. The things that I, that are in my responsibility are inside those boundaries. The things that are their responsibilities are inside those boundaries. And um, there are lots of things that, that dictate these boundaries. There are natural boundaries that just occur. Um, I grew up in Idaho and we have a really weirdly shaped state. 
right? I don't know if you guys know that I have got like, it looks like a boot, right? That's because on the squiggly side, we've got a huge mountain range that separates Idaho and Montana, right? If that mountain range wasn't there, the boundary might be drawn differently, but it was a natural boundary. It made sense. Everyone, you know, you saw the boundary, you saw the mountains, you knew that was the boundary, right? We have those in our personal boundaries too. We have some that occur naturally. We know they're gonna be there and we don't have to spend a lot of time thinking about how to draw that boundary. But then we have states like uh, Colorado or Wyoming that are just like a perfect little box. And that was maybe a little more intentional boundary drawing. It wasn't dictated by natural landmarks or anything. It was just, you know, here's, here's the boundary. It was a little more intentional. And we have some work that we have to do to set more intentional personal boundaries that kind of fit into maybe a Wyoming or uh, a Colorado shape, all right? So when I talk about personal boundaries, I here, here's my definition. And I'll be honest, I just lifted it straight from Wikipedia, but I thought it did a really good job of capturing everything I wanted to express when I said a personal boundary. When I say a personal boundary, I mean a guideline, rule, or limit that a person creates to identify reasonable, safe, and permissible ways for other people to behave towards them. And then how they will respond to someone who passes that limit. So while we don't have control over other people and what they do, we do have control over how they interact with us and how we're gonna respond to that interaction. And that's what I wanna focus on today. So to set successful boundaries, we kind of have four steps. We're gonna walk through all of them. The first is identify when we need to draw a boundary. What situations dictate a boundary being established? Next, we're gonna define that boundary. We're gonna get specific about exactly what we want that boundary to look like. Then we're gonna talk about communicating and it's like establishing that and communicating it to those that will be affected. And then unfortunately, we can't just stop there. We have to be prepared to enforce that boundary. So first, let's talk about identifying the necessary boundaries. Where do we need to draw the boundary? And there are a couple of ways to do this. There's a, there's a lot out there. Um, if you're like me and you love Brene Brown, she has a lot of content on it. Uh, but really you can just like Google how to set a boundary and there are like a million articles because so many people are recognizing how important this is. And so there are a lot of steps. Um, there's a big one around identifying your core values and finding the threats to those core values. Um, you can talk with people you love and respect that have set successful boundaries and kind of get a framework for, for, for yours based on theirs. Uh, but we're gonna talk specifically about paying attention to your emotions to help you draw boundaries. And I chose to focus on this for, for this webinar because I think this is where, where we are right now. Um, these, these feelings, these emotions, give us really good data about how to set our boundaries. And I'll be honest, I don't, I don't love like exploring my feelings or really letting myself experience or have feelings. It's just not really my style. I've never really been into it. 
Um, but I've found as I've as I've gotten into it and and really let myself pay attention and 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 feel those feelings and identify where they're coming from, I've been able to find exactly what situations are triggering that and how I can draw boundaries around it. So we want to pay close attention to interactions with other people that are leaving us feel feeling angry, bitter, anxious, frustrated, or resentful. These feelings can be really indicative of needing to set firmer boundaries. And I think there are a lot of things that are happening right now that are leaving us feeling anxious and frustrated. At least, I mean, I don't mean to project, but that's how I'm feeling. I'm feeling anxious. There are lots of things that are having me feel frustrated. And I know as we're coming back to campus, that that feeling of anxiety of the unknown can really kind of percolate through our work, through our teams, and through our community. So, so pay attention to, to what exactly about that is making you feel anxious. Is it the new, the new settings of, or the new uh, rules that are being in place, put in place to keep us all safe, but they feel like a heavy burden? Um, they have mandated that we wear masks in communal spaces. Are you comfortable wearing a mask? Are you uncomfortable when other people aren't wearing masks? Like there are a lot of feelings that can leave us really anxious. So, so pay attention to that. Instead of dismissing that or, or ignoring it, pay attention to what's making you feel anxious and take inventory. What's going on there and what can we do about it? Here are some ideas I had that uh, are some boundaries that you might want to consider about and make decisions about before you come back to the office. Um, how, close are, uh, how close is comfortable for you? How close is too close? I know we, we say six feet social distancing. Sometimes that still feels a little too close for me. Maybe you wanna make it eight feet or nine feet, or you know, you can feel the comfortable distance when you're in it. Are you comfortable having face-to-face -face meetings yet? Um, I'm not sure that I am. Maybe if the office is big enough or the space is big enough, maybe, but overall, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think I am. What might you say to someone who isn't wearing a mask in a communal space, even though that's US policy that we've been asked to do? Do you want to talk about the pandemic right now? It's, it's, it's not looking great, especially for Florida. Things keep rising. Does that make you anxious when that conversation is brought up? I'm not saying you, you shouldn't talk about it or be informed, but um, there can be a level of of discomfort that's good and productive, but once we're getting to anxious, that that is that's maybe not as productive. And what do you want or need your work routine to look like as you're adjusting to coming back into the office? And what will you need to do to enforce that structure? Okay, so those are just a few ideas that I had. There are probably going to be more. I was really uh, impressed by our our boss, um, Dr. Bob Parks. He had a meeting with us two weeks ago where he had us all come together and decide for our team what was going to be normal for us. If someone forgot a mask, we gave everybody permission to say, hey, you forgot your mask. I think that's a great exercise. I don't know that your teams will do that. You can definitely suggest it to your leadership to have a meeting around that. But even if you don't have a meeting like that, you can decide for yourself before you're in the situation. And that just helps 
so that when the situation actually does come up, you you're you're prepared. You don't uh, kind of lose your footing and and feel um, uncertain about how to handle that situation. Okay, so once you've kind of identified where you're uncomfortable um, and and how uh, and what interactions are kind of leading to that discomfort or those those icky feelings, you're ready to start defining your boundaries. And when I say define, I mean getting specific. Really identify exactly where you're going to draw the line. And I want you to consider these three things as you do that. First, what is your ideal outcome? What is the perfect situation? What is exactly what you would like to happen? Okay, it's a good place to start. It may not be realistic, but it's a good place to start. Next, take a look at that scenario and, and ask, does this scenario allow you to still complete all of your work responsibilities? Does it allow you to maintain your necessary working relationships with your colleagues? Uh, does it um, allow you to stay within the bounds of, of policy and procedure as set by US? Right, so you'll have to maybe rework your ideal outcome to answer to fit to fit that criteria. But I want you to think, I want you to keep in mind that necessary does not necessarily mean um, hunky dory, happy, perfect. So your work still needs to get done and needs to be good, but necessary relationships with your colleagues, this doesn't mean that you have to be buddy, buddy, best friends with everyone you work with. That's hard for me. I really like being close to the people I work with. Um, but sometimes to draw boundaries to make a safe workplace, you have to step back from that personal interaction and create more professional interaction, just depending on, on, on what you need. I, I think it's super important to maintain respect and understanding and appreciation for so that you're, will, you're able to collaborate and work well together. But that doesn't mean you have to be best friends. And then the next step you're going to take is to really look at that outcome and how that's going to work that will allow you to get everything you need to done and really look at what actions are in your control to facilitate that outcome. And this is where I'm also going to push a little bit because I think a lot of us, myself included, this is, I say us, meaning me specifically, can get really comfortable when things are outside of our control and other people are making decisions for us to also start placing the blame outside and and real and start thinking like well i'll just wait for their input and then i'll decide or um it's out of my control you have to have to decide right or or bob my boss he has to decide when really there's a lot more in our control than we realize i said it at the beginning and i'll say it again we can't control other people and what they do but we do have a say in how they interact with us. So start thinking about things you can do to kind of influence that interaction. Maybe it's an uncomfortable conversation that you have to have with a coworker. Maybe it's an email that you need to send to everyone. Hey, I'm not comfortable having close interaction, especially if you're not wearing a mask. Please email me or chat um, if you need to, to correspond with me. Right? Quick email you send to your colleagues, you you know you've you've made that pretty clear okay um 
maybe it's having some responses crafted beforehand for when people start to break those boundaries. So you see someone leave their mask, uh, leave their office, their space without a mask, you can, can just practice. Oh, hey, I think you forgot your mask. It doesn't have to be super confrontational. It doesn't have to be a big deal, um, but it's in your control. It is something you can do. If they choose after that not to wear a mask, that's something to maybe take up with your supervisor and decide from there. But at least you had control over that immediate situation. All right. So I really want you to think, what is actually in my control? Um, is, it, is it something I can do even though it makes me feel uncomfortable? Or is it really something outside of my control? So I really challenge you to think about that as you're defining your boundaries. So once we've defined our boundaries, the next step is that we have to communicate them. And this is the hardest part for me. I don't know why I, I just like, I'll get to this point, I'll be like, oh, I'm so good. I know exactly where I need to draw this boundary. It's gonna be great. And then I get to communicating and I choke, I get uncomfortable, I start to freeze. But I also think about um, how unrealistic and unfair that is, that I expect, um, my husband or my siblings or my coworkers to respect this boundary that I've set for myself when they have no idea what that boundary is, especially if it's not a boundary you had before, right? Say before we left the office, you were maybe a little more like me, a little social, like to hop around desk to desk, say hi, see how people were doing. And that was what you'd established for yourself. But now coming back, you're not comfortable with people just stopping by your desk or hanging out and you need to, to redraw a boundary. It's important that we communicate that. Right. Um, I, I chose this picture and I like this analogy because um, I just moved here. Okay, I have to stop saying that. It's been a year. My husband and I moved here a year ago from Utah. So we did a huge cross country drive and we had to drive through, I think it was six different states to get here. And we've done a little research before we left in Utah, you don't have to have a front license plate on, um, but we'd heard some stories that in some states you do. So we made sure that we'd put a front license plate on just in case, because we weren't sure. But we, there were a couple times when we crossed over those state boundaries where there wasn't a sign telling us that we were in that new state. And if we'd still had our back license plate only on and we'd crossed this boundary, we got pulled over I would have felt like that wasn't terribly fair because I didn't know we were in this new state because there wasn't anything telling us that we were in a new state. So we have to do the same thing with our boundaries. We need to make sure that we're communicating them. And like I just said, it doesn't have to be a big to do. Um, it might, it might be, it might escalate to that point, but it can be as simple, um, as simple as say uh, that, that chat to your colleagues, right? We had a team member say, guys, I'm really not comfortable wearing a mask, it makes me feel claustrophobic. I'm gonna do everything I can to stay in my area. So if you could stay at your desk and chat me if you need me, that would be really helpful. Right? That was not a big thing. None of us thought anything of that. And now we know that if we wanna engage with that colleague, we'll just send her a chat or give her a call on the phone. Right? It's not a big deal. There may be times when things escalate and you have to be a little more firm in your statement of your boundary, but, but we'll get, we'll get into that. Okay. 
So what does your boundary look like? How are you going to communicate that? I have a couple of examples here. I saw this on the internet the other day and I thought it was a really clever idea. And I'd be interested to see if UF does something like this um, when we're down the line a little bit. I don't think we're ready for this yet, but there's this company that is selling these, these wristbands that remind me of like the Livestrong bracelets. I don't know if you guys remember that trend that was so hot a couple of years ago, but they have these wristbands that indicate how comfortable you are being close to other people. So red means don't get close to me. Yellow, I'm being cautious, but you know, we can be close. Green, I'm taking the effort that I need to to wash my hands. So I'm good doing high fives and handshakes, right? That could be an easy way to communicate your boundaries. Uh, the next image, I took inspiration from my two-year-old daughter who has gotten so good at communicating to me when I've crossed a boundary. And that is, <laughs> she puts her hand out and yells, no, or I don't like it. <laughs> She's very firm and I've learned a lot from her about enforcing boundaries. Maybe not as appropriate in a workplace, but I, I uh, the other day ran into my, my boss in the hallway and we both just kind of did a natural like, no you after you because we didn't want to get within six feet. So we had to kind of do an awkward little dance, but we both knew that we needed to respect that distance. So that's how we did it. Another I thought of was, was wearing, just wearing your mask. That's, that's another good way to, to communicate a boundary. Like, hey, I'm going to wear my, my mask. I think we should wear our masks. That could be another way to do it. Um, again, it also might be, an actual verbal conversation that you have to actually articulate, which is where I am less good, but it is super important. So I wanna take a look at a boundary that I feel like I clearly set for my beautiful daughter. And I want you to see what she did with me setting that, that, that boundary. Okay, this is my daughter. She's two now, she's almost two and a half. Um, in this video, I think she's like eight months. Um, she was really getting good at crawling. And so we had to put this baby gate up. And I think of babies a lot when I think of boundaries because I've had to put so many in place. And I always remember when I put this up, it's keeping her safe, it's keeping her safe, it's keeping her safe. And I try to like repeat that when I create boundaries for myself. But let's look at how she thought, what she thought about these boundaries. Um, I don't know that you can hear it and that's, that's fine. You, you don't need to, you'll just hear my mom voice. So we don't need to go into that. All right, so at that house, we had really high baseboards and we had to have the gate up a little higher in order for it to Fit because of, of those. Uh, but because of that, my beautiful opportunistic daughter was like, oh, a gap in the boundary. I'm going to take advantage of that. Right? I feel like this is well communicated, right? This gate is saying, hey, beautiful, wonderful daughter, do not enter this space. And she was like, hey, look, a gap. I'm going to take that gap. The same thing is going to happen when we start to communicate our boundaries. We're going to work with people. We're going to see people who whether intentionally or not, most likely not, people generally aren't doing this intentionally, but they're going to see opportunities, they're going to forget, and they're going to kind of jump in the gap. They're going to 
to test these boundaries that you've set for yourself. And it's important to be prepared for those, those violations of those boundaries. Okay, my daughter, again, she, she's not like malicious here. She just saw an opportunity and, and she went for it. Um, she didn't learn to be malicious until she was like 18 months old and then she just went downhill from there. But, but here she's still innocent and pure. So I want you to think about that. When people are violating your boundaries, I promise like 99% of the time, they're not doing it intentionally or maliciously. They just either forgot, they didn't notice, um, or just, you know, they just didn't even think about it. So give people the benefit of the doubt, especially as you're getting new at setting boundaries, because you might forget your boundary as well until, until it's been violated. And then you're like, oh yeah, we need, to, we need to redraw that line. So give yourself time to get used to your boundaries. Give those around you that are affected by these boundaries time to get used to them as well. Um, but prepare for those violations, be ready for those boundaries to be violated. Okay, that brings us to our last, which is uh, enforcing boundaries. Sorry, I'm seeing some chats. And yes, Sam, terrible twos. I would say it's the real thing. I'm trying to reframe how I feel about parenting a two-year-old because it's really hard, but she's also really funny and I'm trying to have a good attitude about it. But, um, but, but you get it. If you've had a two-year-old, you get it. So enforcing boundaries. And, and as I talk about this, I want you guys to kind of think of the job of a referee, right? And I'll be honest, I might need a little support here because I really don't know a whole lot about sports. Um, if you've attended my growth mindset lecture, that's where my sixth mindset really kicks in. I don't really do sports. I don't know much about sports, but I do know that every sport has a set of rules that you have to follow. And then someone is in charge of making sure people follow those rules, right? I actually, the big sport that I played was ultimate Frisbee, which I recognize is super random, but, but that, that sport hasn't been inducted into the Olympics because it is a self rest sport. Like you call fouls when people foul, do the foul on you. Um, there's not a referee, but there's still, there's still that check and balance, right? There's still the rule. There's still someone who gets to say, Hey, you broke that rule. Okay. That's the referee's job. There's not a referee on the planet or an umpire or whatever other names for refs there are that goes into a soccer game or a baseball game or the wrestling match and says, Hey, I bet no one's going to break a rule today. Right. That's, that's not. That's not how it works. These refs come in and they're ready for people to break the rules. And they have a rule book that's already been established that tells them how to, to, to reprimand, for lack of a better word, or punish that violation, right? In hockey, if they break a rule, they get sent to the penalty box. In soccer, there are kind of almost peers to the, to the violations, right? This guy is giving someone here a yellow card. Um, and I don't actually know what happens when you get a yellow card, but I know if you get a red card in soccer, you get kicked out of the game, right? So there's kind of levels to these violations. And I want you to think of your boundaries that same way. Oh, it's just a warning if it's yellow. I think I knew that. But if they do it again, then it goes red, right? Is that how, that's how I imagine it would work. Cool. So I want you to think of preparing for violations in, in this idea right? 
there are going to be different levels of violation. Someone, if your if your boundary is I need people to stay six feet away from me, the violation may be that someone comes into your office space without respect to that six feet, right? How are you going to handle that violation? If it's if it's a tier one violation, um, a misdemeanor, I don't know, I don't want to get legal or political, but if it's something low key, you can have a really quick little quip ready, hey, six feet distance, step back. Or, or you can just take the step back. It might be easy, might be a simple little thing. Uh, a tier two violation may be something a little more um, aggressive and your response may be equally more aggressive. Or uh, you might escalate to a tier two if they've done the, the, the first one again, if they've done it repeatedly, right? Um, like, uh, actually, you can get multiple yellows, depending on the offense. Um, maybe you have a couple of yellows that are, are tier one before you escalate to a tier two, right? And then tier three is a major violation of your boundary um, or a third or repeated that you have to get really firm about how you're going to address that. All right, I like to make a little chart that looks like this. What is the potential violation to my boundary? What is my tier one response going to be? What is my tier two response going to be? And what is my tier three response going to be? So you can see they kind of escalate, right? So let's say um, someone's standing too close to me. My tier one response is just going to be to personally take the step back. Now, if they take another step forward after I've taken a step back, I may have to step in with my tier two response, which is, hey, I need to keep six feet distance. And then if they continue to get in my space, I can respond with my tier three, which is, I'm not comfortable standing this close. Can we please put a little more space between us? Right, you can see how it gets a little more firm. Maybe someone is bringing up how the number of cases in Alachua County is rising, and that starts to kick you into just some anxious feelings. Maybe your first response is to casually change the subject. And I realize now that my change of subject is terrible because who would choose to talk about the meth gators? Did you guys hear about this? There was like something posted that someone flushed some meth down the toilet and gators got into it. Anyway, I don't know if that really happened, but um something about changing the subject maybe you pick a lighter <laughs> subject to change it to than i did um tier two response hey i'm feeling a little overwhelmed talking about covid right now would it be all right if we change the subject and if that still doesn't happen your tier three response could just be hey i'm out i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna remove myself from this conversation again we have to be careful if if it's a team meeting or something we need to make sure that our our work responsibilities are still being fulfilled and that we are, are actively contributing to our team. But if, if that's not the case, we have every right to remove ourselves from the conversation. Um, and yes, I will, uh, I, don't, I, I don't plan to send the slides out, but there will be a recording of the video available. Um, but Lisa, if you email me, I'll make sure you get the slides if, if you'd like those. Um, my last violation was maybe someone comes into your workspace without wearing a mask. Your first response could be a lighthearted, hey, I think you forgot your mask. No pressure, no judgment, no assumptions, just a lighthearted, hey, you forgot your mask. 
tier two might be, hey, will you please wear a mask when you come to my desk? So say they've done it a couple times at this point. Third response might be, I feel really anxious when you come to my desk without a mask on. In order to maintain a good working relationship, I'm going to have to ask that you wear a mask when you come to my space. Otherwise, please communicate with me via email or chat or a phone call. I guess you can. That's a little more firm and a little more serious. And after that point, if they continue, that would be a point to escalate it to a supervisor. Oh, yes, Tina suggests using the snipping tool to take a screenshot. That's a great idea, Tina. Thank you for sharing that. I did create um, a resource that I'm hoping to have ready and out by the end of the day that I'll post to our Keep Growing website. That's a bit of a workbook. Um, so it's, it's a bit of a project. I think it's eight pages that actually takes you through these steps and walks you through identifying your boundaries, defining them, crafting a boundary statement, um, setting or yeah, communicating and then setting your violations like this. So I do have that um, available that I'll send out when, when that's when that's complete, along with the recording. All right, um, did everybody who wants to get a picture of this, I'm, I'm gonna move on, but I do think, I think having these tiers ready and kind of anticipating situations that might happen can be a really, really empowering experience. Um, I have found, I've, I've found this applicable in a lot of places, but I like to think of if, if you've ever had one of those conversations or one of those exchanges that you left, or I do this a lot with job interviews, where you leave and you're like, oh, I should have said this. Oh, I should have said this. Oh, this is how I should have handled that. This is kind of a way to, to do that beforehand. So um, you kind of have it ready so that when you're in the situation, you do get to say what you actually wanted to instead of thinking about it for weeks after, oh, I wish this had been my answer instead. So I like to use this chart. Um, Carissa, hey, I see that your hands raised. Go ahead and, uh, and unmute yourself if you would like. Sorry to interrupt. Um, I put the question in the chat box. I wasn't too sure if I was clear. Um, like for the end, for when, when they come in, don't wear a mask and you like hesitate. Is it possible if you, if you have an extra mask, you can give one to them? Would that be appropriate? I, yeah, I think so. Um, I don't have any problem with that. I would check with um, your supervisors and their plans for, for your department specifically, because um, they may have some extra masks. I know here in HR we do, so you wouldn't have to use your personal resources. But I think that's a great way, and I think that's a really non-confrontational way um, to address the situation. Um, not that confrontation is bad, but you know, keeping professionalism, I think that's a great way to say, hey, you forgot your mask, but it's okay, I've got an extra one. I think that would be great. Okay, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. All right, so we've communicated our boundaries. We've prepared for violations. Um, our next step is actually, um, so we're still enforcing. Our next step in preparing is to actually anticipate resistance. Okay. Um, and I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole because because then you can say like, well, I'm going to say this and then I'm going to prepare for them to say this and then I'm going to prepare to say this and then I'm going to prepare and we can go and go and go and go. But I do want you to be at least one level down prepared. I'd rather be over prepared than under prepared. But, but it's very possible that as you start to implement these boundaries or as you're communicating them, 
people aren't going to like it necessarily. I would hope that in our office, in our in our workspace, there's respect and that they wouldn't treat you without that respect. But there might be just like a little kick of resistance. Um, so I think it's important to kind of anticipate what uh, some reactions might be, especially if you've had to set um, a boundary in regards to a specific individual. Generally, our boundaries in, in the context of this training is going to be for, for everyone, but there might be situations where it's, it's very specific to one person. And, and if that's the case, that person may, may kick back with a little resistance. So I think it's a really good exercise to kind of think, what might this person say as a, in reaction to what I'm saying? And how um, can I prepare for that? So here are a couple of scenarios I've included more in that worksheet. Say they are consistently um, pushing that boundary. You've, you've communicated it. You've gotten to a level three response. What, what now, right? Um, what might you say to them if they turn around and tease you about it? Even, even if it's playfully, like, that's, that's not important, right? You are socially for thinking that's important. You're overreacting. You know, what if, what if they kind of respond with that? Um, and, and this will be more appropriate for, for you and, and your people, because you'll know them better. But, but think, like, what might they say to you? Um, go back to that, like, that thought of that referee. Um, he gave one of the two. I don't, I don't know who he gave the yellow card warning to. But they did not like hearing that they got that yellow card warning. Um, the same might be the case for, for people as you're putting in, putting boundaries in place. So be prepared for that. Um, and, and while you're preparing for that, I want you to think about this quote from Brene Brown, which is, daring to set boundaries is having the courage to love ourselves, even when we risk disappointing others. So it's really important as we create these boundaries and we establish them for themselves and as we honor them, that we remember that even if it disappoints someone else, it's about loving ourselves. And that disappointment is probably temporary. Um, I had an experience a couple of years ago where I was working in a training position for a, a smaller company, but a, a pretty big company in the community I was working with working in where I actually knew a lot of the people that were coming in and I was trading and, and, and usually it was fine, but I did have a situation where I trained um, the spouse of a really close friend of mine and was given some, you know, information in that role where things got a little weird, but confidentiality dictated that I couldn't express those things to my friend. And, and there were times where we get in these conversations where she wanted to push that boundary and, and I got really, really uncomfortable and she wasn't doing it intentionally. She wasn't like, again, she wasn't doing it maliciously. Um, she just knew that I had that information because of, of the job I had and, and didn't really think much of it, but I had to draw a line and say, Hey, um, you know, I love you. I support, you know, your spouse, but, but I need, to not talk about work when we have these conversations anymore. I, I, I just want to talk about personal life. I really, I'm not comfortable talking about work anymore. Um, and her initial reaction was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I can see that. I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that, 
that that made you uncomfortable um, and was really, really receptive and, and appreciative of, of that boundary and was, was willing to respect it. But the next thing she said was, I'm just really frustrated with the situation and I thought you could help. And, and that communicated to me that I had kind of disappointed her um, by not sharing all the information that I had, but I knew because of confidentiality that I couldn't share it. So I knew I had disappointed her, but I also knew that I just had to stay true to that boundary and I couldn't cross it for out of respect for confidentiality for the sake of my job and to feel comfortable um, in my relationship with her. That, and that relationship was really important to me. So, so sometimes we're going to disappoint people as we set these boundaries, but because I said that, we were able to jump back into having a really healthy and fun relationship um, that just didn't revolve around work and that was okay. So it was a temporary disappointment that paid off dividends in the end. So um, I do have another question in the chat. Is there anything we can specifically say to students about pushing this boundary? Um, you know, Elizabeth, I, I have to apologize. I really don't know a whole lot about um, our expectations for students at this time. Um, I, I attended the town hall uh, yesterday, but I, I missed the part where they really talked about how to interact with students. Um, so um, I'll have to I'll have to get back to you and look at those resources. But I can tell you what I would do. Um, but I don't interact with students. So take it for for what you would. Um, I don't think it's inappropriate to tell the students that um, that they're crossing crossing the boundary. Um, and, and, you know, depending on what that boundary is, I've had, I've had professors and teachers tell me like, this is a boundary I observe for all my students and, and just was like, it's nothing against you personally. And I think I would say something that, to that effect, but I also like to share why I would say, you know, hey, I feel uncomfortable when you're pushing those boundaries. Please respect this boundary that I've set for myself. And when I communicate that way, um, I find people are more receptive than just saying, hey, don't cross this boundary. Um, I don't know, I just feel like it opens up a little bit of humanity on my side and, and then they can, that resonates with them. But, um, but sorry, I, I'm not totally sure. I, I'm sure your, your department, your colleges have more guidance on how to handle student conflict, sorry. Um, sorry, I'm seeing that there are some responses. Yes, okay. Yeah, I think that's what I saw as well. If a student comes to class and they're not wearing a mask, we do have permission to ask them to leave. Um, and if they refuse to leave, the, the class can be canceled. Yeah, that that's, I think that's what I've heard as well. So um, but that is subject to change. I think they, I remember them saying that as well, that that's the current expectation and, and that can change. So um, make sure you guys can stay up to date on that. Right. Um, cool. Great questions and great correspondence. Uh, thanks, everyone, for, for, for sharing and volunteering that information. All right. The last note that I want to leave you guys on um, is to remember that when it comes to living your boundaries and to setting and creating and communicating your boundaries, clear is kind. Being consistent, staying true to your boundaries, that is kind. Um, it does come at the risk of disappointing some people, and that's okay. Um, ultimately, clear is kind and unclear is unkind. Um, Brene Brown's big boundary statement 
is like her her litmus test to decide if she needs to set a boundary is what boundaries need to be in place so that I can remain true to my integrity and make the most generous assumptions about you. So her way of drawing boundaries allows her to be kinder and more generous. Um, so um, ultimately making her more kind, right? Um, we may think it's kind to let people, um, I don't want to take advantage of us, but you know, you know, I mean, kind of walk over us um, to become a yes person, say yes to every project, to say yes, I can help you even when we can't. We think that's being kind, we think that's being friendly, but it's overworking us, causing us to burn out, making us uncomfortable and dissatisfied in our workplace. So um, boundaries are important. Setting clear boundaries is kind and, and, and unclear is unkind. So with that, that's everything I have about boundaries. So I'm done a little early. I hope that doesn't, <laughs> doesn't offend anyone. Um, but like I said, I really think that this is really empowering, especially considering the season of work we're moving into. Just remember, as you're setting your boundaries, you have more control than you think you do. Don't be afraid to talk to your boss and explain what's going on and why you need to set those boundaries. Um, and hopefully, <laughs> Hopefully that, that works um, and helps you guys at this time feel a little more confident about returning to work. Like I said, I have a workbook that I've put together to kind of work you through these steps. You can actually write them out and, and articulate your boundaries and I'll send that out with the recording to this uh, probably tomorrow. Um, keep checking back on Keep Growing. We're adding to it every day. I'm currently working on a session um about engaging with a virtual audience that will happen in august so if that's something you're interested just keep checking back uh, and you can follow us on the internet the social medias uf at work and hashtag creators grow so thank you all for joining and i look forward to seeing you at our next webinar